ever will, because he is a faithful God. Amen. Hey, it's good to see you in the Lord's house today. I'm happy to uh, be back in the rhythm now. You know, we've been in the holidays, and uh, we've partied until we can't party anymore, and we've enjoyed uh, fellowship gatherings and different things like that. All-night parties with the young people. Some of you are still probably trying to catch some naps just from being up all night with those teenagers. Uh, but it was a fun season, a great season. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to be back in the rhythm of life and with the life with my congregation. We have a lot of sickness in our church. The flu is just absolutely, you know, all over Louisville. I was watching on the news last night where they were suggesting that to this point already, we've had over 800 cases diagnosed of the flu in, in Louisville. And uh, last year, to compare that to, was somewhere maybe around 150 cases. So you can see that it's much higher than it has been in the past. But I'm not afraid and, and uh, I'm not concerned because we have the healer on our side. Amen. He is our healer, and by his stripes we have healed according to the, we, are, we have been healed according to the word of God, and so I'm thankful for that. Well, I brought my trusty old level uh, with me today. The, the fact of the matter is, is that this level does not belong to me. This level belongs to my wife. That's right. You know, some women use rolling pins when they get after their husband. My wife uses the level. <clears throat> it's what she uses to keep me moving in the right direction. And if I'm a little kilter off this way or a little kilter off that way, she can bring me back in line pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, I've always, you know, for the last few years of my life, I've never been concerned about whether or not I was living on the level because my bubble continuously stays in the middle. And so I know that I'm pretty well level. But you know, there are times in life when we feel like that we're a little bit out of level, a little bit out of sorts, and sometimes I get to feeling like that when I'm not in my routine. I'm a routine kind of person. I like it. I like to do the same thing every day. I like to do it at the same time. I like to eat the same foods. I'm not very, you know, explorative or exploratory. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a boring dude. I really am. Uh, but I like it because it keeps me grounded and it keeps me level in my life. And I was just thinking as we move into this new year that it would be a good idea for us to talk about for the next few weeks what it means to live life on the level. We are children of God. We've been called by His name. He, we are His children. We, we live according to His uh, rule and reign in our lives. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can get too much of the world in us and too much of the systems of the world, and we can begin to feel that in our spirit, and we can begin to sense that something's not quite as it should be. And there are times, honestly, that we just have to look at ourselves and do a little analysis, a little self-analysis, and kind of realign ourselves with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God. So over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to talk to you about that in various, uh, various different areas of our life and how that we can approach that and get ourselves leveled out and realigned so that we can be what God wants us to be. If you've ever been to a chiropractor, you know that 
uh, one of the things that they do is they like to straighten out your back. If it gets out of line a little bit, they will realign your, your spine so that it gets back in alignment. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, is this idea of just kind of making some adjustments and some tweaks to our lifestyle and to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and letting him straighten us, if you will, and realign us in our spirit. So if you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to take them and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin reading at verse 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can feel free to use your devices, and uh, we're, we're certainly glad for you to do that. But we'll also throw it up on the screen as well so that you can see it, because we want you to see what we're talking about. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, and I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, <clears throat> saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this gathering today. I, I'm grateful for every individual that is in the house today. I don't believe they're here by accident. I believe that you have divinely ordered their steps to be here today, to hear the word of God, and to hear what I will be saying as under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. It's not so much what I say, say as it is what your spirit confirms in us. I pray that our ears will be open to your voice, to your spirit, and that we will receive all that you have for us today, and that our lives will bring glory to your name through the way in which we live. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen and amen. I've been, I've been wrestling with this uh, message somewhat this, over the last few weeks. I knew that I was going to be preaching it, and, and it, and I also know that it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, you'll probably hear dozens of pastors over in this period of time talking about this very passage of Scripture because it brings with it the, just a, a great theme for the New Year's. And so sometimes it's easy for us to hear something that we've already heard and, and not really give it the attention that it needs in our lives so that was one of my reasons, but, 
The other reason that has concerned me some is that there are times that we have to accept things in our lives that are not easy for us to hear and not easy for us to take. You know, we like our comfort zone, don't we? We, we like living life in such a way that we're not really challenged, that we're not moved from where we are to another place of productivity. But I have learned through the years and my years of serving the Lord that the times that I grow the most and the times that I mature the most is when someone is speaking into my life and saying things that I really don't want to hear. Now, obviously, the one who does that the most is my loving wife. Who, who has invested many years into our relationship. And uh, she, she wants me to be the best that I can be. And, and likewise, I want her to be the best that she can be. And so we kind of play that role in one, other, one another's lives. But one of the key functions of the church is that we challenge one another to a higher plane of living. If all we're ever doing is just coming together and singing a few songs and laughing together and enjoying the fellowship of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're not encouraging and edifying and spurring them to a higher level of living, then we're really not doing our job. And so what I would like to suggest to you today is that there are some things that we need to look at in our lives as we begin this year and not only apply them to ourselves but apply them to those who we interact with in our lives. And so I want us to get started today. Now again, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but there are some words and some phrases that I want to point out to you today that we need to consider. And the first word that I want you to look at in verse 33 is the word seek. The word seek. Now seek is an action verb that describes the responsibility to pursue our divine purpose. Let me say it again, and it should be on the screens. It is. Seek is an action verb that describes the responsibility to pursue our divine purpose. In other words, your maturity in the Lord does not happen uh, automatically. It, it doesn't happen without activity on your part. It doesn't happen without you being pur purposeful in your pursuit of the things of God. So we are to seek the things of the kingdom. Seeking is an ongoing lifelong pursuit. Luke chapter 11 verse 9 and 10 says, and I tell you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks will find. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. Now, you've heard me teach on this passage of Scripture before, and you know that the way, the grammatical structure of it suggests that this is not something that you do one time, but it is something that you always do. If you're seeking the things of God, you're not just seeking one time, but you're seeking and you continue to seek. If you're asking, you don't do it just one time, but you ask and you continue to ask. You knock and you continue to knock because it is that continual action of seeking that brings us to a place 
of maturity. The second thing we need to understand about seeking is it, is it, it provides seasonal benefits. Seasonal benefits. Let me explain to you that at my age, I'm 59 years old. And by the way, my wife is 60. I just thought I'd point that out to you. I, I, so I'm younger than she is. I, I've just got a few more days to ride that, but I'm going to ride that train as long as I can. But I, I am almost 60 years old, and I've discovered that the things that I pursue in my life today are very different than the things that I pursued when I was young. Yeah, I look at some of these kids and teenagers and I think about what life was like for me when I was a teenager and the kinds of things that I pursued. All, really, all I wanted to do was just play basketball. I, I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to do what teenagers do. And then, and then I started noticing girls. And I, you know, I, I, I just kind of wanted to notice girls for a while. And and I wanted to do it in, in a godly way, but sometimes that was not possible for me. So I, yeah, and I looked in ways that I had to adjust through the years. And, and then I saw Donna one day, and I discovered that uh, she was not only a beautiful lady to me, but I, I felt like I could spend the rest of my life with her. And so I began to pursue her. I mean, I didn't just... I just didn't accidentally marry her. I, it took me two years to seal the deal. And, and, but it was something, that relationship was something that I desired and something that I was in pursuit of. And then I became a young minister, and, and my pursuit became the goals of ministry, the, the churches that might be available to me. Where, where can I pastor a church, and where can I be involved in ministry? And God, where do you want me to do, be, and how do you want me to go about doing that? And, and, and as a young pastor, I would come into the church service, and more than anything, I wanted to have one of those old-time Holy Ghost shout down, run around the church, roll up underneath the pews, kind of had some of you, th I thought we were Baptists. Now, we're Pentecostal. We don't do those kinds of things anymore. For one thing, you couldn't roll underneath these chairs that we have. But I was raised in the old traditional Pentecostal church, and, and it looked very different than the way that it does now. But I, was, I wanted those kinds of things. I, I, I wanted the church to be exciting. I, I wanted the church to be motivated. I, I wanted the church to grow. And most of my thoughts and my messages were put together around how can I motivate people to live this ecstatic life in the Spirit. And it was my motivation. And now I've gotten older, and I honestly, I can tell you, and I hope you don't get mad at me, I really don't care if you shout or not. I don't care if you fall out. I don't care if you foam at the mouth. I don't care if you sweat your, your shirts out. I don't, I don't care about any of that because I'm not interested in trying to get people shouting or moving or any of those things. What I'm more interested in in my life today is that people somehow hear the Word of God and then find a way to activate that, that life-changing Word that will make your life better and help you to mature in your relationship with Christ. I've seen loads of people through the years run and shout and do all the typical stuff that they do and go home and fight with their spouse and go home and do things that they had no business doing. It was not affecting their life in the least. 
Now, you know, some of you are saying, well, I just think if we could get back. I'm not interested in getting back into anything except the flow of the genuine Spirit of God that will cause me to mature in my relationship with Him. Now, there are certain things that we do because it's part of worship. We do what we just did. We clap our hands. Why? Because the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So we worship in accordance with the Word of God. But I don't want to do those kinds of things for the sake of just stirring up our feel-good and causing our spine to, to get goosebumps and our hair to stand up on, our, on our, our arms and our legs because those are not the things that will mature us in our faith. What will mature us in our faith is the Word of God and faith building in us because the word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So our seasons change. I went through a season with my wife and my parents when they were in the latter years of my life. And there were times that I wanted to go to the ball game, but I couldn't go to the ball game because I had elderly parents that I needed to help take care of. They needed our care. We were caregivers. Let me just stop long enough to say to you, I believe there are people in this church today that you spend a lot of time feeling guilty because you feel like you're not a good enough parent or you're not a good enough spouse or that you're not doing things quite the way that you should. But let me say to you that in different seasons of our lives, the activity of our seeking and our pursuing may look very differently. I'm at a place in my life right now where I can get up early in the morning and get a cup of coffee and go sit in my recliner and open the windows and read the Word of God and pray and meditate because I don't have young kids that are coming and tugging on me and saying, Dad, get me something to eat. Dad, what am I going to wear to school? Dad, what, you know, that dad, that some of you young parents that are in that phase of your life, your pursuit may look very different than my pursuit. It's not what your pursuit looks like that matters. It's, the, it's what it produces in your life. And when that happens and how that happens may be very different for all of us. So if you're a young parent today and you don't have time to read the Bible and pray and be holy in the morning because your kids are getting you up out of the bed and saying, I need some food and I need this and I need that and what am I going to wear to school? Chill out. Take a chill pill and just say to the Lord, I may not be able to do it at 5 o'clock in the morning. I may not be able to have my devotions at 6.30, but Lord, I'm going to carve out some time in my life so that it can be just you and me. It may be on my drive to work when I shut the radio off and I just spend time praising you and honoring you and talking to you. But I am going to pursue you and I'm going to seek the things of God. So first of all, we seek. Secondly, I want, to, I want you to point, I want to point out to you the word first. He said, seek first. Now, what we put first in our lives speaks to what we value and consider a priority. 
What we put first speaks to what we value and consider a priority. Now, I've already said to you that priorities change with the seasons of life. Newlyweds, priorities are different than parents with children, as I've already said. You know, when, when my wife and I were first married, it, you know, it, it was just about us. I mean, we had four years in our lives at the very beginning of our relationship where we didn't have any kids. And so if we wanted to walk through the park at night and hold hands, if we wanted to sneak around behind one of the trees and make out, we, we could do that. And, and sometimes that became a priority, more for me than her. But, it, you know, hey, what works for you? Light it up, brother and sister. You know, our priorities change from when we are young married to where we are parents of young children. And so as we move through life, we have to understand that our priorities change. I was talking with someone today, uh, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about uh, the painfulness of getting older and, and how that we wake up in the morning sometimes in our muscles uh, that, that we didn't even know that we had. They hurt. Uh, we, we moved just recently into a, a smaller house and I'm, I'm helping do all of, the, all of the lifting of this furniture and things like that. And there was a day when I could do that and never be concerned at all. But at my age now, I have to learn that I can't do some of the things that I used to do. And as a man, it makes me feel girly if I can't pick up a couch by myself and spin it around on my finger. But I just can't do it anymore. I woke up a few weeks ago in the morning and I thought, oh my Lord, I'm having a heart attack. My whole chest across here was just hurting and burning like crazy. And I checked my pulse real quick. It was right where it needed to be. I thought, am I short of breath? <laughs> no, I'm fine. What, what's wrong with me? And I remembered that the day before, I had, I had reached down and lifted up this piece of furniture and moved it all by myself. I was so proud of myself. I thought, I am still a man. Arnold Schwarzenegger has nothing on me. That's what I thought. Then I realized real quick that I'd done some damage to myself. And I still have some lingering pain from that. The seasons change. Now I don't mind at all calling Jonathan and say, hey, I'd like for you and Ben to stop by the house today. I'll get some fresh donuts or whatever for Ben. And I'll get you, Jonathan, who, who's doing the keto. I say, I'll get you some meat sticks or some cheese or something like that. I'd like for us to just spend some quality time together today. Jonathan is smart enough to know that when I ask them to come over, there's work to be done. And I'm not ashamed of it. In fact, they don't know it, but I'm getting ready to ask them in the next couple of days to help me move some furniture that I can't move by myself. So what I'm saying is, is that those things that are important to us become a priority for us. And so I just simply would ask today, where does my relationship with Christ fit into the routines of my life? Where does my relationship with him fit in? 
Now, if it doesn't look like your neighbor, if it doesn't look like your sister's routine, if it doesn't look like your pastor's routine or someone else's routine, that's okay, but we still need to have a routine that will put us in the presence of the Lord. So here's some questions I'd ask you today. First of all, have you accepted him as your Lord? Are you a Christian? So I come to church. I don't care. Have you accepted him as your Lord? So I drop a five spot in the, in the offering every week. That'll qualify. Now, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, have you asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and to be a part of your daily walk? Because I don't care how religious you are. If you're not in relationship with the Lord, then you're not saved. And so as simply and as lovingly as I know how to say it, some of you just need to begin this year by giving your life to Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to look like any particular thing. You don't have to throw yourself in the floor and weep and cry. You don't have to bring all of your paraphernalia from home and lay it on the altar. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ, who he says he is, and ask him to forgive you of your sins and you will be saved. You say, you don't know how bad I've been. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. So the first thing that you have to consider is, have I accepted him as my Lord and Savior? Secondly, do you communicate with him regularly through prayer? It's all prayer. That sounds like one of those religious words. You know what prayer is? It's not a religious word. It's a relationship word. Because when you are praying, you are communicating with the one who loves you more than anyone else. You are communicating with him and letting him know. Let let me explain to you how this works. Since we've moved, I have about a 15, 20-minute ride to the church. And the other day, I was praying. And I heard myself praying. And really, all I was doing was complaining. I don't know if you've ever had one of those days or not, but I was just saying, Lord, this and Lord, that and Lord, if this could be different and Lord, that and Lord, and and why don't you do this? And Lord, why don't you straighten this one up? And why don't you straighten that one out? And why don't you, and by the way, why don't you go ahead and do something with Donna too? I've been trying to fix that in her life for the last several years and doesn't seem to be working. And so there you go. And then in my prayer life was becoming a complaining session. And I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to check out right now. I'm just going to say amen and keep driving. I'm not going to say another word until I can get a better attitude. You know, I, I was not praying as much as I was getting God told what I thought he needed to hear from me and what I wanted him to know. And sometimes prayer feels like it's out of alignment with what God wants, how he wants us to pray. And so we have to do what we need to do to align and realign our prayer life. So we begin by praising. We begin by worshiping. We begin by glorifying him. 
You don't have to come to church and hear the choir sing. You don't have to hear the music. You don't have to put it on the radio. You can just with your own mouth, you can begin to say, Lord, I thank you for all the many things that you've done for me. I thank you that I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out. I thank you that I have this day to serve you and that this is the day that you made specifically for me and I'm grateful for it. And I'm not going to let life destroy my grateful spirit. And so we talk to the Lord and we pray. Second, another thing that we need to consider is, am I, re- am I regularly praying and reading the word of God? When's the last time you picked up your Bible? And some of you may be thinking, yeah, I used to hear this in the old church when I was growing up. And I, I want to be a part of one of those churches where we get just some, some fancy looking preacher to go up front. And he can post memes every day on, on, on Facebook. And I can read the meme and then I can mark it down. I read the word of God. Did you know that most of those memes don't even come from the word of God? It is someone's opinion. It's what somebody thinks. I've read so many prophecies in the last few days that says 2019 is going to be the greatest year I've ever had. That if I will just post it 10 times and say amen, that I'll be a millionaire before the the year is out. I have read and read and read and read and read, but listen to me. I want you to know that the wisdom that we need comes from the Word of God. I'm not against Facebook. And occasionally I will post some things that I think are inspirational. But if that's all I get in my life, I'm going to be a weak and immature child of God. I need a regular steady diet of his word in my life. Let me just say one more thing about that and I'll go on. We, I, I like to read the Bible throughout the course of the year and that kind of thing. And that's good if you do that. But listen, I'd rather, read, I'd rather you read one verse every day and really get it into your spirit and understand what it means to you than for you to read the whole Bible 14 times throughout the course of the year and not understand a word that's being said. We've got to get the word of God in our spirit. So I ask you, how are you doing that? For some people, they don't read well anymore because their eyesight is not as good. And so they listen to it on, on, I started to say tapes, but we don't have tapes anymore, do we? How many of you got, still got a VHS player? Let me see your hands. I'll pray for you when church is over. <laughs> Technology has moved on. But we, but we get it through different means. But the importance is, is that we have the Word of God. Am I regularly connected to a local church, which is his body? Now, I look around today, and I see a lot of regulars here today, and I'm thankful. I'm glad that you're here. I say this a lot, and I'll say it again. We need you, but you need us as much. It's a relationship. It is a community of believers. I I read not long ago that the statistics say, that the, the amount of time that people actually come to church has changed drastically in recent years. It used to be that a person, if they defined themselves as a regular attender of a local church, it meant they went to church on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, and Wednesday night. How many of you remember those days? 
And then we cut out the Sunday night service. And so then it became a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, every week. That was a regular attender because the doors were open, so I came. Did you know that the statistics tell us now that people who describe themselves as regular attenders of a local church only go to church one time every two to three weeks? They stop in once every two or three weeks. And if you ask them where they attend church, they will point to the church that they attend, but they are not part of the community of believers because they, they are from a distance. I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to lose all the people who join us because we have several who join us because of sickness and those kinds of things. But listen, if all you're doing is connecting with us on the internet, on Facebook or through BoxCast TV app and all that kind of thing, if you're an invalid and shut in and you can't get here, I'm glad you're doing that. But if you're able-bodied, and you have the opportunity to come to church, but you just stay home because you want to do church in your jammies, I challenge you to a higher level of community. Get up on Sunday mornings, take a bath, brush your teeth, put on some clothes. I don't care what kind of clothes they are. I don't care if you come in here in shorts. I don't care if your hair sticks straight up in the air. I don't care. But come and be part of the community of believers. Because we need to edify you and encourage you. Now, I know we've got some stayed home today because you're sick. Just take your hand right now and lay it on your head. Pray for yourself. God's going to heal you. I'm thankful that you're with us. But I'm talking about people who ritualistically and regularly do not come to the church and do not come to the body of Christ because they would rather do church at home. Besides that, I can't be there because there are too many hypocrites there. Yeah, we've heard that for years. Let me tell you something. I'm a hypocrite. I'm not perfect. I'm, thank you for that, Leslie. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I make mistakes. Sometimes when I want to do the right thing, I just don't. Sometimes when I want to say the right things, I, I just don't. And I have to get myself realigned. I have to get the bubble back in the middle. We're all imperfect. But thank God for grace that is available to all of us. The scripture says don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And we have access to this grace through God and through his church. Do I represent him to others through Christian service? What do you do for the kingdom of God? What are you doing to advance the gospel? What are you doing to expand the kingdom of God around you? What are you doing? God has called us to service. And then finally, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I think I need to jog our memories that Jesus is coming again. We just get ambivalent about that. We just think, oh, I love this church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in this church for the rest of my life. I'm going to go to church every week for the rest of my life. I'm going to this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to whatever. Listen, we are not promised tomorrow. 
we could either die today or Jesus Christ could come and rapture the church out of here. And the only way that we're going to go is to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty thankful that he's preparing a place for me. I'm pretty excited about that when I'm absent from this body, I'm going to be present with the Lord. I'm pretty excited about my future because of Jesus Christ. And then we've talked about seeking. We've talked about priority through the word first. And let me close with one other thought and idea. Kingdom righteousness. Go ahead and start playing because I'm, I'm going to quit here in just a minute. Maybe. I, I, I've kind of always thought about this. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pastor Danny, I've always kind of given one of these to that. What, what is he? The kingdom and righteousness. What is that? It's the same thing. Kingdom and righteousness go hand in hand. Kingdom and righteousness are not separate concepts. They are threads that when woven together create a God-exalting pattern of living that produces a fruitful life. Let me explain. If I'm part of the kingdom of God, I am righteousness because of the blood that he shed for me. I'm righteous. I'm not perfect, but I'm righteous. The sanctifying power of Jesus Christ is helping me work out my salvation with fear and trembling every day that I live. But if I'm part of the kingdom, I'm righteous. And if I'm righteous, I'm part of the kingdom. So those things are not mutually exclusive of one another. They work together. They weave themselves together in my life so that my life takes on kingdom righteous significance. So I'm not just chasing after a kingdom. I'm not just seeking after righteousness. I'm seeking after kingdom righteousness. Because the only righteousness that matters is that which is produced supernaturally in me through the power of Jesus Christ. And we have forgotten that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done through his shed blood at Calvary. That's what makes us righteous when we accept him, when we receive him. But as such, if I am a person of kingdom righteousness... It requires that I live differently than the world does. And this is the part that some of us, we're just not going to like. Because as much as we understand that you can't do anything to bring salvation to your life, it's free by accepting it through Jesus Christ. Once you become a child of God through salvation, you have to live differently. You can't do the same things you used to do. You have to realign your focus from the things of the world to the things of the Spirit. 
Listen, you're not going to leave the world. You're going to remain in the world. But you can be in the world, but not of the world. And your bubble can be in the middle. You can realign. Once you come into relationship with Christ, you can't always go to the same places where you used to go. You can't sing the songs that you used to sing. You can't watch the shows that you used to watch. Before I get started here, let me just remind you of how much I love you. But if I'm a kingdom person, there are some things that I can't let get in my spirit. I can't let it get in my spirit. I can't watch things on my computer or on my television that will bring darkness into my spirit. I can't speak in such a way that it will bring hard feelings and difficulties in my relationships. Can I tell you that some of you to fix your relationship with your spouse, the greatest thing that you could learn how to do, if you could just learn how to do it, this would help you and go a long way if you just shut up. But we got to get the last word in. We've got to make our point. We've got to make sure that they know what I'm saying. And then we don't talk to each other for days. We're mad at each other. And over time, our relationship begins to just fall apart. Because all we do is squabble. All we do is just fuss. All we do is just shut our, shoot our mouth off. Are you still with me? It's not even a quarter till yet. I'm talking to you from my heart today. I'm talking to you because I believe that as your pastor, I have a responsibility to say some things to us. Because if we want to be a church that's on the level, operating in character and integrity, there are certain ways that we just can't live. We've got to learn how to turn the channel. There are certain things that we just cannot accept. Our our politics are so out of kilter. I mean, they're just all over the place. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're UK or L. It doesn't matter to me. It's just all so out of whack at times that instead of believing the standard that is established in the Word of God, we pick one side or the other. And both sides are out of alignment with the Word of God. And so when you pick your politicians, you need to start picking according to the Word of God and not based on your party affiliation get myself in real trouble right now. Might as well. First Sunday of the year, give you all year to forgive me. My wife and I were sitting watching the news before we went to bed the other night. I can't remember which channel we were watching, 
But they said murders in Louisville have dropped in this year from 117 to 800. And something that they said got my attention. They said, we don't know how it happened. We don't know what happened. I'm saying 117 to 80, forgive me. My math was wrong. 117 to 80. Yeah. That was St. Louis. I'm sorry. Only kidding. Only kidding. 117 to 80. And they said, we don't know how it happened. We don't understand. And I'm sitting there in my chair and my wife, you know you're getting old when you start talking to the TV. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there in the chair and I say to the TV, I know, you may not know, but I know. Now, if you hate Governor Bevan, put your ears in your hands for just a second. In your, in your ears. Put your hands in your ears. I remember when Governor Bevan came and called the pastors of, of Louisville together and said, look, I'll handle the politics. We need to get a better police presence in West Louisville. We need to create jobs. We need to do some things politically. That's my job. Your pastors, your job is to get your people praying for our city. And you know what we did? We put two prayer teams together and we picked out blocks off of Bevan's map and we went down every week and we prayer walked our city. We weren't the only ones doing it. There were churches all over this city that were walking through our community and they were saying, oh God, we don't know what's going on in that house right now, but I pray that you will bless them in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll save them in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll heal them in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll do a work in their life that is unexplainable. God, I pray that you'll move on behalf of our cities. There were some people that got mad at me because we put a prayer team together. So we need more politics. Maybe we do. I'm not going to disagree with that. God didn't call me to politics. God didn't call me to use this pulpit to promote Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. God called me to explain to you that we are to be people of the kingdom. And unless we are doing the things of the kingdom, we'll never be effective in what God has called us to do. So let me ask you today, are you an individual of the kingdom? Are you living like it? Does your life reflect kingdom principles? See, there are things that the world will tell you to do that the Bible will tell you not to do. Somebody did me wrong. You know what the world will tell you? Get revenge. Whatever it takes, get revenge. But you know what the Bible will tell you to do? Forgive them. Forgive them. The world will say, if you ain't If you're not getting enough at home, go find it somewhere else. 
The Bible will tell you to keep yourself pure and holy sexually before the Lord because these bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not keeping your temple holy, you're not an individual of the kingdom. I hope you still love me after today. I'm just telling you, if we're not kingdom people, then we're just kidding ourselves. We're just playing a big old game of religiosity when God has called us to be his people, to live according to his word. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody, but listen, we've got to change our way of living if we're going to impact the world. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is coming soon. I don't know how he can wait much longer, honestly, just from my limited way of thinking. This world has gotten so crazy out of hand. There's nothing level about our world and the world that we live in. Nothing level at all. But I tell you what is level. What's level is the Word of God and the Spirit of God that is in us. And we live according to the Spirit of God and we become kingdom people. Then we're going to be out of sorts with the world. People are going to call us names and they're going to call you crazy. And they're going to ask you why you do this and why you do that. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself and saying, oh, I'm so persecuted. Why don't you just take that opportunity to give account for the hope of Jesus Christ that is in you. And you can say, you may not believe it today, but I want you to know I am who I am today. I'm victorious today because of the love of Jesus Christ in my heart and my life. Will you stand with me this morning?